you're listening to the Quality Coach Podcast, I'm your host, Jasmine Braxton. If you're a personal trainer who is trying to grow as a fitness professional, but feel unprepared to do so, listen in each week as myself and associates in the fitness space share practical tools and advice to help you become a quality coach. What's up, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Quality Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine Braxton, and today we're going to talk about some must-have attributes to structure your training programs that you write for your clients. One message that I hear loud and clear on every social media platform is writing programs stresses you out. It just stresses you out, whether it's like, how much am I prescribing for a client? Um, how often, when, why, how, why does it make sense? Why doesn't it make sense? The whole mental gymnastics of sitting down to program and putting things in the correct place or in a place that makes sense for that client and making the choices, all of that, that whole bag stresses y'all out. So this is why I want to come and do this episode so that by the end of it, more than anything, it will just help you ground your thoughts about the task of writing programs. So when designing programs, the primary question I want you to be able to answer for yourself is this, why am I prescribing this? That's it. You need to be able to explain why are you writing for that client what you're writing? If you can explain the logic behind why you're putting anything in a program, I'm down to listen. And for many of you, therein lies the blessing and the curse because there is no singular correct way to write a program. Take for instance, five different trainers can each write a program for one client and they all can be right. Like all of them could get that client to their goal, whatever the point B is, their physical potential, all five of them could be correct. So the science-based the science based rather artistic freedom of program design can either free you or make you feel crazy. I'm sorry, friends. I don't make the rules. I'm just telling you how this stuff works. So to get to that place, though, where you can explain the logic behind what you design, it helps tremendously to have these four things that I am about to present to you today. So hopefully by the end of this, you can have some clarity, some peace, or at least some good direction about what to do when you're doing it so that you can answer the question, why am I prescribing this again? Okay, so jumping into this must have number one, structure based on training age and goals. We're talking about this client here. Clarity around the level of training that you will start or progress or continue a client on will help you set the right goals and help focus on the right elements for that particular client. Um, a lot of people will get a new client and I'm saying you can experienced trainers do this just as much as unexperienced ones because not all of us are taught properly how to start programs or write programs for clients. But a lot of people will get a new client and they'll start them no matter what activity level they are, just all out balls to the wall. Like 
it's just going to be hard. And honestly, that is probably the worst way to start a new client, unless they are of an advanced training age and didn't have a break in their training before they came to you. And even then, you don't necessarily need to start a program hard. And there's so many reasons for that. But the primary one I want to point out here is if your client is doing a progressive overload style program and their first week in a four to six week block is ridiculously hard, where do you think that program's growing in four to six weeks? Because um, I have a feeling that client is not going to be happy with you if they're thinking, wow, this is week one, this sucks. And it's supposed to get harder. Like mentally, what are you doing to them? Think about these things. Okay. So base their training on their training age. Training age is not based on how many years someone has been physically active. If you are writing a strength program and you have someone who their background has been, they played like a sport for years they still will come into a strength program being a novice, being a beginner, because they have not specifically trained weightlifting before. They've played a sport. They may be more predisposed to adapt to the program faster, to get out of the novice stage faster, um, to develop muscle recruitment and be able to you know, adapt to what you are doing more rapidly than someone who has Nobody wearing this has never played a sport who doesn't know their ankles from the wrist. Like there is a greater potential, but both of them, the person who played the sports and the person who did not would start at the novice level. If neither of them had never been a weightlifter before, who had never been trained to lift weights. That's just science. Okay. So training age is not based on how many years someone has been active. It's based on what is their physiological experience with moving weight, okay? And the goals piece, that's pretty self-explanatory. If your client's goals are to get stronger, you're going to orient their entire program so that it will be strength-based. You wouldn't make it be endurance-based if this person wants to get stronger and like, you know, pushing or pulling a wagon or pushing a a heavier amount on their squat or some other goal that they may have. Same goes if you have a client who their goal is hypertrophy, like they want their muscles to physically look bigger. You wouldn't put them on a program that does not contribute to that quality that they're going after. You follow me? So Must have number one, structure based on training age and goals. Moving on. Must have number two, understand adaptation. This goes back to program design 101, but adaptation or more specifically is the stress recovery adaptation cycle. Okay. To break that down for you, stress is something that needs to be appropriate for that person. So let's take, for example, this beginner that I mentioned just in my last point who they have an athletic background, but they've never lifted weights before. If you took that person and had them do 
a 200 pound back squat and they've never done back squats before, that's going to be too much stress. Whereas after a few weeks or a few months, you've been training that client and you're still having them do air squats, that's not going to be enough stress for that person. So the stress needs to be, let me back up. It's not going to be enough stress to cause a positive adaptation to the stressor. So if we are looking at this adaptation principle to clarify, it basically is saying a stress is basically a stimulus that you apply via your program to the individual. The stress needs to be substantial enough. The stimulus needs to be a stand, substantial enough to force their body to go into recovery. Recovery is not like we're trying to send them home limping, but it's a period of time where the person cannot perform that same task again with the same amount of quality because their body has undergone a stress that broke them down. So the recovery phase, once that is done, they will have adapted, which looks like they are now able to perform that exact same movement with all the same variables with quality and then some they can actually they've actually now gained the strength to perform at a higher level than that level you just prescribed with the stimulus okay so if we're going for the example of a person who's down doing a squat and they're doing 135 pounds in their squat every single session week after week after week after week there is going to come a point very soon where 135 pounds is not stressing them anymore. And so therefore they're not seeing any muscle growth. They're not seeing any strength gains. They are just maintaining what they have developed. And if we are doing our clients a solid and we're not doing them a disservice, if their goal is to grow their muscle mass and grow their strength, you need to make the stress progress over the weeks over time. So hopefully you all understand adaptation with the way I've explained it here. Moving on. Point number three, the must have number three rather is to conduct good assessments. Y'all <laughs> the purpose of the assessment process is simply to gather information so that you can intelligently determine what the client's program starting point is going to be and to guide that client from point A, which is now, to point B, their goal out in the future. It's there to help you gather data points and give you direction in addition to their training age and their goals, okay? You already started the process with like an intake questionnaire or a consultation. If you've done all those things, if you didn't, you should be. During these assessments, it's the time to collect the hard data. So I always teach my mentees, my personal trainers, you want to start with the end in mind when it comes to this assessment process. And so therefore, there are about four indicators that your assessment process should have to indicate that it was successful. Okay. Number one, 
you have established a clear understanding of where the client stands now, like their primary goal, the direction they need to move in first. That's the first thing that indicates you did a good job. The second thing, insight into their current habits, their current beliefs, their current behaviors, lifestyle, all that stuff matters. You should be addressing it in your assessments. If you have that information, indicator number two, you, get a good, you did a good job. Number three, have a clear understanding of their strengths and their, asymmet- their asymmetries and physical limitations. And indicator number four, know their feelings about getting to their goal and how they're feeling about their self at this exact moment. You have to know the psyche of your client. It matters tremendously because if you cannot get through to that client and connect with them mentally and emotionally, have fun trying to get them to do things when the going gets hard. Okay. So there are several different other options for movement screening tools like the functional movement screen or um, Active Life RX or the standard movement assessment you got through your certification. There's so many options available to us. The point isn't to make you use a specific one when it comes to your assessment that you run, but rather help you find the assessment style that you understand you'll actually use in the programs you write for your people. If you train, if you know your ideal clients and you're attracting primarily that type of client, you're typically going to have a certain assessment protocol for those types of clients. You follow? Okay. So the assessment process is vital to your program design. So I really encourage you to get a firm grasp on the purpose of each test you conduct because this information is meant to help you. It helps you make decisions. When you feel like you don't know what to put in a client's assessment, I mean, in their, in their training program, it's because you're not referring to the assessment or you haven't done the assessments regularly enough to know well, where should the boat be directed towards next. Okay. So think of it like this. A doctor would never write a prescription for medication without first doing a proper evaluation of their patient, right? Like you would be salty if your doctor did not evaluate you before they start writing you prescriptions. We should treat training our clients no differently. All right. Must have number four. This is the last point. Interpret your assessment results. That's a must have. It's like just being cutesy if you do the assessment and you don't use the information in it. Y'all, I was on YouTube the other day and I watched four whole videos of trainers, train fitness mentors, as they call themselves, talk about doing the assessment. Never once mentioned you need this information to be interpreted. If you see someone have a fail in their forward lunge assessment, what does that mean? What does that tell you you need to do to fix that? If you see a client who fails their scratch test, what does that tell you about that person's shoulder mobility, their internal external rotation abilities? You have to know what's the point of doing these things if you don't know what to do with the data. Am I right or am I right? I think I'm right. Y'all know I'm right. That's why you're listening. Anywho, that's all I have for you today. Please share this podcast with someone you think who will like it. 
I appreciate y'all. That's all I got for this one. Bye-bye. Do you find designing training programs for your clients to be overwhelming? I used to feel the exact same way, which is why now I help coaches just like you develop a deeper understanding for how to apply coaching and program design so that you can be successful and so can they. Want to know how? Just go to jasminebraxton.co forward slash design to download my five industry secrets to make program design simple. Again, that's jasminebraxton.co forward slash design to get your free copy now. You're welcome.